0: In the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And welcome in, Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And uh, I think that 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 phrase or that rallying cry maybe reached a new meaning this weekend. Uh, Judd is doing his best to uh, to stay alive this weekend. I don't think his life is in danger, but Judd had just in case you are wondering, we're, this is the first time in like two years Judd hasn't been on an episode of Purple Daily. So it's Declan from the cabin, and uh, it's Mackie here on this Sunday. But so so Judd, just to back up a second, on Friday we were recording Purple Daily in the morning, and he didn't, and we were doing Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, action movie rewind, and. Unless you remember something, Dex, he didn't say that he was uncomfortable or. No,
1: he, he was he was normal. Judd, you know, he was talkative. He was forgetting things. You know, he was asking the same <laughs> questions. You know, nothing. Yeah, nothing forge- of forgetting
0: things in a way that was normal for yes. Judd. Yes, yes, that's true. Not yes. where there would be like a yes. medical crisis, but <laughs> apparently he was grinding through appendicitis while recording Purple God. Daily and Mackie <laughs> and Judd and Action Movie Rewind. Football. Oh yeah, it's hard. Fire would have played. Fire would have played. And so he went into urgent care later in the day and one thing led to another and on Saturday night Judd had an emergency appendectomy. But and we and he, so he left a, a voicemail with me like kind of late morning, early afternoon, and just kind of explained what was going on and he said, Hey, I'm gonna give my phone to my family and uh, you know, you'll you'll hear from someone at some point. But then the next thing we know, he's texting up a storm, he's just like in his <laughs> hospital bed waiting for an eight PM surgery. And and he's got the preseason game on his hospital TV. He's like, "This room's pretty nice." You know, it's <laughs> like he's drugged up. He's dishing takes via text and tweets. And then at some point, I think, much like all of us, his interest faded in like the second quarter. And then I yeah. think he went out of the knife. So
1: yeah, it's yeah. actually uh, I was shocked. Judge Zolgad from a gurney in a hospital bed with the, the gown on didn't bring the microphone. And I'm sure he, I'm sure he would have been fine with that to be completely honest. But I'm sure his medical professionals, his beloved wife Dawn, said, "You know what." Let's leave the microphone at home. I think Mackie and Declan can uh, can take care of it. But he's let's, like the yeah, one guy who could literally go into the hospital, knowing he's going to have this surgery and have his microphone and maybe even a six pack of Surly on his side. I can see both those things happening.
0: Yeah. So he, you know, I, I think in my mind, I'm like, dude, take as take as much time as you need. Right. I think it's it's weird for him to take time off, mm-hmm. be it for vacation or illness or injury, because he just he's. I've worked with him on a daily basis for probably nine years now, almost nine years. And have worked with him at 1500 ESPN for over a decade. Never met a more reliable, consistent, great coworker and friend who's just always there. Just like you never have to worry about him just like going on a hiatus for five days. You yeah. don't know, which does happen in the media industry quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was, I didn't ask him, when are you going to be back? Because we don't care. Like we care, but dude, dude, take all the time you need. If it's right. a week, if it's, two weeks or whatever, and he goes, well, I'm definitely not going to the game tonight, meaning last <laughs> night, and he goes, I'm out of commission on Sunday, and then we'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah, classics all get. So it's amazing. Uh,
0: yeah, I think we're just going to tell him, dude, take Monday, and yeah. then we can, I don't It'll know. It'll be okay. Maybe get you statements. back into
1: Yeah, we, we have plenty of things to, to go after him, so we'll, if, if he can't go, it's no biggie. We'll, yes. we'll be okay. Dylan Bundy, Chris Archer here can uh, manage four to five innings at a time. We'll
0: I have know, a statement man. about those guys for Mackie and Judd, actually, nice. on nice. Monday. So uh, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, and uh, the show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL bring you joy and simplicity through innovative technology, tcl.com. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Surly. So last night was the first Vikings home game mm-hmm. with the Before I Die Tallboy Cans inside U.S. Bank Stadium. And it was a, I don't know, Jeb was getting a kick out of it on his hospital deathbed basically last night with drugs pumped through his system. And he's just, all of you guys who are sending us pictures of those cans in the stadium, um, that was awesome. Pretty cool cool. to see just a rallying cry that we just kind of randomly started throwing out on this show a couple years ago and make its way onto a beer can inside U.S. Bank Stadium. So, that was awesome, Dex.
1: It's very, uh, it's, it's not cryptic, but it's very fitting for this show who uh, us three are kind of some, we can have a little bit more of a morbid takes on some things. because we've, we've experienced a lot of life and death before. And it's very, I think, fitting that a before I die beer is released to the public while Judd himself mm-hmm. is in a hospital ready to go under surgery. It's yes. just it, th- that's one of those moments where I'm like, oh, there is like a higher being out there. Cause like that, that that's how that works. That before I die, cans go out to the public and here's Judd live <laughs> tweeting takes from a hospital bed. Very
0: classic. Yep. Amazing. So thank you guys for sending in your, your pictures and uh, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed the before I die beer at US Bank Stadium. All right. Uh, instead of Judd's camp notes, Phil and Declan's <laughs> camp notes here. Let's do it on this on this recap episode of the second preseason game, which was a snooze fest from all angles. So my biggest takeaway from that game last night is I, I knew that we were probably going to get to this point. I didn't think I would say this a week after I argued with Judd about, hey, just let's give Kellen Mond a chance against the Niners and the joint practice, the second preseason game. Let's just pump the brakes on the doom and gloom here with Kellen Mond. I am now willing to concede one week later. Judd was right. Judd is the wise old sage, the sports dad that sometimes has to tell us things that we don't want to hear. And QB, two is not on the roster. I mean, between Mond and Mannion, these are backups and third stringers you're facing in preseason games. Vanilla defenses. And I get that you're not playing with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, but one of these dudes should be carving up backups by this point, especially Mannion. Yeah. Like, dude, like what's your excuse? You've you've been in this system before in Los Angeles, you've been in the NFL, you've started games, and and you're still checking down and dinking and dunking. He had a couple nice throws. He actually hit a really nice throw up the middle to uh uh to, to Zach Davidson, I think, if I remember right, yeah. and he just flat dropped what would have been like a fifty yard reception. So yeah. but but both those guys look like they've never played professional football before at times, and so I think they're just to the point now where they don't have a QB two on the roster. I probably cut Sean Mannion and maybe keep Kellen Mond as a QB three and then go, I don't know, Blake Bortles is sitting on his couch. Is there is there a QB two you can trade for or snag off waivers that you'd feel more comfortable with if Kirk went down for three weeks? But uh, I will concede not just because he's in a hospital and undergoing an emergency appendectomy. it's not a sympathy concession. Jeb was right about Kellen Mond.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard for us to admit when Judd's right in general, whether he's present with us or not present with us. So that's not the disclaimer that we're putting out there. But I think it's really frustrating because I thought Kellen Mond through the first 10 days of training camp, and then even the first preseason game, took like a significant step forward, right? For like the first time in his career after last year, basically being, you know, buried on the depth chart. He battled COVID. He even admitted at the beginning of training camp that really affected him, and he wasn't able to get up to 100%. And he gets thrown to the Wolves in that Packers game, his head coach thrown him underneath the bus, and it was kind of just a lost year in general. For a guy who was a four-year starter at a very prominent school at Texas A&M, and then I thought these first 10 days of training camp in 2022, the first preseason game, make some nice throws. And he kind of thought, oh, this is a solid first step. It doesn't mean that he had QB2 on lock necessarily, but it was like, oh, this is the guy we saw at Texas A&M. This is why it was a third round draft pick. And I kind of felt like last night was then a step backwards into, oh, this is not going to be a significant QB2. This is actually going to be still a work in progress, at least at the very least. And I think it's it's frustrating because Vikings fans wanted to see him take a significant step forward, and I thought last night was again one step kind of backwards.
0: Well, the the first interception, BC Johnson, I believe, was the intended receiver, and when I first saw the play, because it, it, there was some pressure up the middle, <clears throat> excuse me, and it kind of looked like oh maybe his arm got hit when he when he threw the ball, and that's why the ball kind of floated out there. He was also staring down the left side of the field, so all of those 49ers defensive yeah. players were just locked in on what was about to happen. But you, I watched that play probably six or seven times. I was looking for reasons to exonerate him from the interception. Oh, the bad offensive line, or oh, it was just kind of a classic football play. The pocket's not perfect. It's a little muddy. You've got plenty of time to throw. And by the way, if he gets if he gets more air under the ball and throws it, and if he leads BC Johnson on that play, I think it's a tu- it's like a thirty yard touchdown because there was nobody behind yeah. him. I think the safety had rolled over to the other side, and so I'm watching that play, thinking this is a very common NFL play where you've got time. It's not a perfectly clean pocket. You get hit after you throw the ball because there's you know interior pressure in your face, and it's your job to not throw just a lame floating duck that falls six yards short of the receiver and uh, and almost becomes a pick six. So we're trying to balance, all right, last year was kind of a throwaway year. He's still young. He's learning a new system. He's trying to process the speed of the NFL. But, dude, like, you don't, as I've said all sp- spring and summer here, you don't get six years to figure it out. You, yeah. I, he, bottom line, I thought Kellen Mond would look better and more comfortable than he does right now. And uh, last night was just kind of—I don't really—it doesn't matter what he does in the third preseason game. I'm not saying they should cut him, but a couple of those plays—he also just seems to be really rigid, and that—that that was one of the knocks on him coming out of college that he had that that sort of rigid, you know, very mm-hmm. formulaic, um, robotic motion, and and they were trying to get him to be just a little bit more free flowing and fluid, and he still had like. He lacks rhythm and tempo and touch. A lot of his throws just kind of look the same. Yes, and um, I just don't know how you're going to fix all of that in this short of time to be a reliable QB two going into the season. So,
1: in my amateur quarterback, you know, scouting there, it just it, there was a lot of unfortunately Uncle Rico vibes. Like he he literally looked like he was just like floating everything and just putting touch <laughs> on everything, and there was no zip. Like there was no power behind any of those throws and. Yeah, I remember you know, when we first um, kind of broke down that draft pick now now like almost 18 months ago when he was taken in the 2021 draft that, yeah, he was a Jimbo Fisher quarterback. He likes those kind of like very almost robotic type of QBs that work well in college but not necessarily translate to the pros. And I thought yesterday outside of the one pass where he rolled out and evaded pressure, and I don't know if he hit Amir Smith-Marset or B.C. Johnson, but it was a nice play, right? Like He evaded pressure, mm-hmm. delivered a dart down the field, and it was like, oh, okay, that's a solid throw. Outside of that, outside of his like other fourteen pass attempts, it was rough. It was the, just rough.
0: And the speed, it it looks like. And Mannion's kind of in this grouping too. But when I watch Mond and kind of Mannion, when I was uh, when I was in like high school and early college, I would play that NCAA video game oh, for the football right. game for PlayStation. Yeah, like l- l- I got really into that video game in the late '90s, early 2000s. I think. Uh, Who was the, uh, Carson Palmer was on the cover of like the 03 (laughs) version. That was like, that's the year that I I played a bunch of dynasties and stuff. And so what I would do on that game to challenge myself is I would play it on the hardest level and I would pick one of the worst teams in college football and start a dynasty. So I'd be playing on whatever the highest level is as Tulane with all of their crappy, like (laughs) two-star players. Bowling green. Or yeah, or pick the worst team in the Pac-12 or something (laughs) like Oregon State or whoever. Yeah, bowling green and try and work your way up the ladder. That's what it feels like when I'm watching Mond and Man play preseason games that okay, they've they've put the game on the hardest possible setting, and they are like a two-star recruit, unable to evade pressure, unable to to sort of process what's happening on the second and third level. So I don't know, man, I don't and if you're if you're manion, dude, like how how many more preseason games and practices and full speed regular season NFL games do you need? to look more competent. Sean right. Mannion should be carving up backups in the preseason at this point in his career if he's a real QB, two, yeah, And if they really need someone in that room that, that Kirk Cousins likes and can help dissect film and all these things, I would argue he has that in his head coach now. That was a valid argument when Mike Zimmer was the head coach and they had a 34-year-old first-time offensive coordinator in Clint Kubiak, and, and Cousins is probably looking around saying... All right, I just I need some partner in crime in this film room that I can bounce some ideas off of. Well, his head coach should be that guy now. Right. Wes Phillips should be that guy now. So to me, that's not an excuse to keep Mannion on this roster if he can't play.
1: And I think when you look at like viable backup quarterbacks right now. Like, they're all guys who have had experience starting numerous games. Like, Case Keenum has now curved, carved out a career as being a backup quarterback. But he started, you know, outside of 2017. Before that, he started a dozen and a half games for, for other teams. And Sean Manning has started, what, two games? And both of them have been essentially throwaway Week 17 situations.
0: Well, last well last year was, and, was like, hey, the playoffs are on the line. Yeah. Couldn't move the football.
1: He was thrown to the Wolves for that one. And... It just seems like if, if you're going to have to be a legitimate backup quarterback, and this kind of goes back for a long time, it's guys that were probably failed starters out of the gate and then kind of carved out a nice little niche role of being a backup QB. I mean, Joe Flacco is going to start for the Jets after being a Super Bowl winning quarterback and has been a backup guy for the last three or four years. You know, Sean Mann has been in the league for seven years. He's made two to three starts, mostly one out of desperation, but uh, it, it just seems like they haven't been able to figure out a guy who can be a reliable backup, and that's why if I'm Kevin O'Connell and the staff, and I think reporters kind of hinted at this in the postgame, reading between the lines, that they probably are now more open to the idea of finding a backup quarterback than they were looking at the ones that were on the internal roster in Manning and Mond. And yeah. Now it's kind of like, well, what do we do? We're, we're three weeks from today, I believe, is the season opener. How quickly can we get one? How acclimated can you get to the system? And is it worth you know, parting with a day three, maybe even day two pick to get one?
0: Yeah, and I would even say I don't know that they need to know the system right away because Kirk's going to be healthy for week one. It would be a, a freak thing if he went down in week two or week three. But Shaw Mannion knows the system really well. If he got into an actual game, they'd have no chance to score points. So give me a more talented quarterback with just like faster processing speed and someone who has a chance to do And I'm not saying that someone has to step in and go 4-0. and didn't Teddy Bridgewater go like 5 and 0 or 6 and 0 when Drew Brees went down a couple of years ago I don't even need that I just need if if Kirk's going to go down for a month can you win one game? Yep. And I don't know I certainly don't trust Mannion to do that. And after watching more of Mond I don't I don't trust him to win a game in the regular season either.
1: I, so. I think last thing too on the processing thing is is it legitimate that Quarterbacks have to know it for a long time, or is it a Sam Bradford situation who gets off here on the street and then in 10 days later is literally carving up the Green Bay Packers defense in the first home game at U.S. Bank Stadium? So, like, is it processing? To your point, manning has been processing it for four years, and he hasn't yeah. been able to take a significant step forward talent-wise. So how much do we maybe even also overrate the fact that, oh, well, if you know they trade for XYZ backup QB, he's going to have to learn the playbook. Well, if he's like a legitimate quarterback who has been there and done that for off my main point of a failed starter who has started games before, he probably can step in. And then it's only an emer- break break the glass in case of an emergency situation if that guy has to play significant time.
0: Yeah, I trust Blake Bortles off of his couch to give the Vikings a better chance in a, in a week five pinch than I do either one of these guys at this point. Uh, all right, let's go through some of our positives from an ugly okay. game last night. I'll throw one out here. T.Y. McGill continues to flash and force the Vikings to keep him on the 53 man roster. So he had a sack on a great spin move early in the second quarter. And then I think it was later on in that same quarter, he had a drive ending sack that, uh, that, that, that forced a turnover on downs. The 49ers broadcast, which I was, I, I had access to both and I was kind of going back and forth on my computer. And, uh, the 49ers broadcast referred to him at one point as short, quick, and thick, <laughs> which is exactly what he is. He's short, quick, and thick. Now, there's some people that are asking, hey, is is he making a case for Mr. Mankato? Unfortunately, T.Y. McGill is not eligible for Mr. Mankato mm-hmm. because he is an established NFL player who's played over a 1,000 career snaps. He's like 29 years old. Here is a list of teams throughout his journey. Now some of these are duplicate stops, but this is incredible. So I believe he was an undrafted free agent in 2015 signed by the Seattle Seahawks off season slash practice squad member only. And then he spent two years with the Colts, then the Browns in 2017, and then the chiefs chargers Eagles back to the chargers in 2018 Washington in 2019, and then back to the Chargers, over to the Saints in 2019. Then he was with the Eagles for 2020, 21 for a partial season, and then Washington football team for part of 2021. And now he's been with the Vikings here. Uh, I think he was maybe part of last year's off season, but for sure knocking on the door. So this dude has literally been with half the teams in the NFL. Age 29, and he looks fantastic so far in the preseason.
1: Yeah, you, you kinda kind of like parse it as is this a veteran who's just like showing up against twos and threes and is solid or is he just a good guy to have around either the locker room or a good guy to have on your depth chart in case again if if injuries start to pile up at that position yeah he's been legitimately like one of the most he was probably the most noticeable player I thought yesterday in the second preseason game Um, I think another positive for me in the game was again I, I thought Ty Chandler took another step forward like, this dude is pretty damn good in kind of making the case that, hey, for two things. Number one, you can find good running backs on day two and three of the draft. Don't really waste a day one pick on it. And two, it kind of makes Alexander Madison look expendable. Like, Ty Chandler is a guy who spent five years in college, by the way. So he, he was at um, Tennessee... Then transferred to North Carolina, but racked up like three thousand yards in his in his college career. Caught eighty three passes between both those schools. Like he's that perfect scat back that you would love to have in a third down situation. And by the way, like Kenean Wangwu is is supposed to be the the real third round, you know? Or, uh, excuse me, third guy in the depth chart in your running back room. I would feel much more comfortable with Ty Chandler and Kane getting creative. And the the funny part is, we keep talking about you know the depth on their running back position. Their RB1 is Dalvin Cook. Like I, I think Ben Lieber kind of hinted at, Like you know we've been talking all about the passing game and what is Kevin O'Connell going to do on the broadcast yesterday, but they also have Dalvin Cook, yeah. who is legitimately a top three running back in the NFL that makes life a lot easier. But man, I, I think coming up with packages for Wong Wu and Ty Chandler in the regular season, I mean, I know Madison got got some run yesterday because he, he didn't play in the first preseason game, but I would rather roll with Chandler and Wangwu Wu behind Dalvin Cook and getting creative with offensive play. That's what I'd rather see. Yeah, I I had in
0: my notes, too, just some really good stuff in the red zone toward the end of the first half. And it was there was the sequence where you had the great crossing route by Amir Smith-Marset coming across the middle. And it it was a great illustration of the type of play designs you're going to see and getting getting a guy like Amir Smith-Marset, who's one of the fastest players on the team, out in open space. You can envision Justin Jefferson running that route or K.J. Osborne as well. And uh, he gets inside the five-yard line on that play, setting up Ty Chandler, who basically pushed the pile into the end zone for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just a couple of really intriguing young skill position players on display toward the end of that first half. Uh, We have PFF great that just came out, just went live during this podcast, too. So uh, let me pull up the pass rush on defense. So T.Y. McGill was the number one graded player among... uh, pass rushers yesterday, including interior, exterior, defensive linemen, linebackers. He had six total pressures, and then the two sacks that we already talked about. So I think that gives him eight total pressures through the first two preseason games. Uh, Patrick Jones also flashed a couple times. He was credited with one sack and three total pressures. So, nice little preseason continues for Patrick Jones. And uh, Luigi Valain with the... Didn't he have the fumble recovery? Well... I would argue that the Vikings may have committed uh, an offsides penalty on that yeah, play. but that was offsides. Whatever, who cares? <laughs> it's a preseason game. It should
1: have easily been a scoop and score, too. Like, I have no <laughs> idea why the dude just continued up the seam. was like, man, if he, like, rolls out to the right, he's going to take that night. Right, that like, who, you're, you're trying to is.
0: outrun guards, dude, just <laughs> in a tight end or something. Uh, okay, quarterback grades from last night. So, Kellen Mond in the first week of preseason games was the second highest graded quarterback of all quarterbacks across yep. the entire league. He was atrocious in this game, according to Pro Football Focus and all of our eyes. So he had a 40.5 overall grade out of 100, which again is unplayably bad. It matches exactly what we thought we saw with our eyes. Um, Sean Mannion was a 71.7 out of 100. So he was, I think he was, he was definitely a victim of a couple drops that would have gone for big yardage. So maybe give him a little bit more of a pass. Uh, The biggest thing for Mannion was, Average depth of throw was twice as much as it was in the first preseason game. He was averaging like four and a half yards per throw in the air in the right. first game. This was more around eight and a half. So I guess if there's any silver lining for the atrocious quarterback play, it would be. <laughs> Mannion looked a little bit better, <laughs> but that's about that's about all I got. Uh, o- offensive line front. Let's go to pass blocking here. So Wyatt Davis had a garbage game in the first preseason game. They actually liked him in the 12 snaps, but he's just kind of tucked away at the end of the game. He's probably not going to make the team. I would say the headline here is Austin Schlottman was the second highest graded offensive lineman in pass protection for the Vikings yesterday, which is an interesting development. Uh, Garrett Bradbury did not play. Schlottman, I think some of it's due to just lack of depth. Chris Reed's been... Kind of banged up and not great at the center quarterback exchange, but Schlotman is very solidly the backup center right now, Mm -hmm. and maybe has a chance to knock on the door. I don't know if it's a week one thing, but has has a chance to to push Garrett Bradbury for the starting center spot, and he was really good last night.
1: Yeah, I I think he definitely makes the fifty three, and you know, outside of Ed Ingram, you know, most of the. Week 1 offensive line starters were inactive yesterday. You know, Bradbury was inactive. You know, both tackles and Darrison O'Neill were inactive. But Ingram still got some run uh, yesterday. And he still kind of flirts in with probably being that Week 1 starting right guard. But Schlotman, I think, makes things a little interesting here. Yes, Garrett Bradbury is the presumed Week 1 starter. He's going to get every chance he can. But if Schlotman continues to impress, like, he's going to start breathing down his neck. I mean, they, they they pulled the plug on Garrett Bradbury last year when he got hurt. And then was it Mason Storm who was... um. Was the guy not Mason Storm? Mason Storm is,
0: is from uh, the early '90s Steven Seagal movie, Yeah, Mason, Hard yeah, to weird. Kill. Mason, Cole, on, is Mason from, Cole is from is from the uh, backup offensive line grouping of the Vikings well, last year.
1: Honestly, Mason Storm would be also fine, I think, as a center <laughs> option for the Vikings, but, with his, but with his weird hand workouts. Yeah, he yeah. can just he can just keep <laughs> chopping wood to get really hard and get ready for uh, all the interior rush he's gonna get. But I, they, they pulled the plug on Bradbury for a little bit last year and then gave Cole some runs. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Schlottman eventually succeeds Garrett Bradbury down the line here. I mean, Garrett Bradbury, I think, after Kevin O'Connell's basically said it's been an open competition, has been a little disappointing to their eyes. They thought he, they could come in and kind of scheme him and still be a, a solid Week 1 center. I wouldn't be surprised at all at some point in the season that Schlottman does succeed him.
0: On the bad front for the offensive line, The worst graded offensive lineman in that game last night was Oli Udo, who was technically the starting left tackle. Right now, he's basically number two on the left tackle depth chart. And uh, he played 25 snaps, 25 passes, I should say. And he gave up five pressures, five hurries, no sacks, but he was kind of a train wreck in that game last night, which is not entirely shocking based on what we've seen so far. Um before we get to some of the negatives here, you know, you, you can't win them all. And uh, last night on Prize Picks, I went on Twitter and I said twenty eight and a half rushing yards for Ty Chandler. That seems like seems like an easy over last night. And then he you know looked great in the first half and basically didn't touch the ball in the second half. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Maybe you guys can be better than I am on Prize Picks last night going forward here. But here's how it works: you pick between two and five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times. On any entry, Prize Picks offers every major sport. So, you got the golf playoffs going on. You know, maybe you want to uh, you want to you want to fade one of the uh, the golfers or something, and you want to take an over on a Ty Chandler. You can you can mix and match and have a great time with it. Promo code North and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars bonus for you. Check out the app or the website Prize dot com. Also, a shout out to our friends. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, they've been helping businesses for over 100 years. They are one of us, so to speak, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And Federated's history is rich with innovative, committed people guided by a core set of principles that they apply to your business in all of their communication. Uh, Find out why they've been a pillar of helping businesses become as successful as they can be at FederatedInsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, Dex, uh, let's go to the negatives here. Unless you have any other positives you want to throw out that stood Uh, out to you.
1: I think the last one, just a Caleb Evans, man. Um, Yeah, dude, good call. He's been been in solid corner, and look, I I, I hope that the Vikings, you know, their cornerback room is their weakest of of it, of their entire position group. And Andrew Booth, you know, had to be helped off the field yesterday. Uh, But a Caleb Evans has been kind of that dog in practice, too, that has flashed and has gotten some nice one-on-one drills. And also someone, I don't know, I think he probably makes a 53. You know, I don't know if they would risk putting him on the practice squad to go through waivers, but I, I think he's been also, low-key, one of the more noticeable players in a good way, by the way, in training camp. I think he if they can develop some solid cornerbacks here from day two, day three picks, that's good news for the Vikings. They need cornerbacks long-term. Uh, so I thought Akil Bevins flashed really, really well for them yesterday.
0: Yeah, he was. so he was the second-best graded player in coverage for the Vikings yesterday. Actually, Harrison Hand flashed a couple times. He had at least Harrison hand had at least one pass breakup that I remember. Uh, so those guys look pretty good. And Josh Metellus had a couple nice plays, So he was, he was pretty highly graded Andrew Booth jr. But yes, a Caleb Evans absolutely deserves a shout out for a nice game last night on the negative side. Uh, you mentioned Andrew Booth jr. So he, it looked really bad because it was non-contact and oh my God, did he blow his knee out? He's being helped off the field. Ben Lieber reported on the broadcast. It was a rolled ankle. So if that's all it is, is a rolled ankle, then good news for the Vikings and Andrew Booth Jr. They don't have a ton of depth at cornerback, even though some of these young guys have have flashed. Uh, and then I'll, I'll mention another one here. Zach Davidson had two really bad drops in this game, including that one that we mentioned earlier from Sean Mannion. Just a perfect pass up the seam, perfect route, everything. The ball was dropped right in his hands, and he kind of bobbles, bobbles, bobbles. But that that was... Probably a 40- or 50-yard gain waiting to happen. Maybe he breaks away for a touchdown, but it winds up being an incomplete pass. Woof.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Zach Davidson is supposed to be this Division two stud, and as someone who was also Division two studded himself, I was hoping Zach Davidson could shine and show us a little something. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he's got a little bit of uh, butterfingers there, and look, if Irv Smith isn't ready to go, and I know Johnny Munt, I believe, was inactive yesterday, mm-hmm. like, who the— who the heck are the Vikings going to start at tight end? And if, if Irv Smith either even suffers another injury or is out, like that, that is a we-, we talk about cornerbacks being weak for them. I mean, tight end is still an impactful position in the NFL, and I don't think Johnny Munt and now Zach Davidson are going to be factored into that heavily into the offense if Irv Smith is out long term.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, is he is he just kind of nervous in pre these preseason games? Like I don't could be. I don't know what happened there, but it just it was such a that 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 one drop in particular was such a glaringly bad drop. Um, uh, so on, I have sort of a split positive negative here for Emir Smith Marset. So they're trying to make the punt return thing happen with him because in a perfect world, God, he's one of the fastest players on the team. You know, he's he's not one of your top three wide receivers on the depth chart right now. So how can you find extra ways for that speed to impact the game? Punt return would seem to make a lot of sense except for the fact that he now has fumbles in both of these preseason games. And uh, I just don't know if you can trust him at this point. It's a little bit like K.J. Osborne was in the regular season, where he's like, man, this would be a great idea, but he just couldn't handle it. So I don't know what they're going to do at punt return if they can't trust Amir Smith-Marset. On the positive side, he he continues to look like a really intriguing wide receiver. What we saw in the regular season in small doses last year and uh, that crossing route in the red zone that I mentioned Earlier in the show, so I, 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 I look at Smith Marset and think, boy, that's a. I'd love to see him get some targets every single game. Don't know if I trust him returning punts after what we've seen the first two preseason games.
1: Yeah, I. Marcus Sherrill's literally made an entire living fair catching and being a solid punt return man. I shouldn't just say he just fair caught a lot of them because he actually yeah. got a couple back. Um, the Vikings have been looking for someone to be a, just a viable punt return option for them since Cheryl's uh, walked away from the NFL. And what was it in 2020 when they had, no joke, like 70 yards total in punt return yards? I forget what it was, but it was, like, comically low. Um, And to be honest, I I do want the Bobby Wade back there. I want the dude to just wave his hands, grab that ball, and let the offense go. I don't need to get the special teams going unless you have Devin Hester. Like, no one really has made an entire career being a legitimate punt return threat. Uh, So if they can find someone that can just wave his damn hand, catch the ball, don't muff it, get the offense on the field so you don't basically give the ball away. That's all I can ask for. And I, I don't know if Amir Smith-Marset's going to be that guy for them.
0: Well, I did see Chris Thomason from the Pioneer Press tweet out that uh, D.D. Westbrook remains a free agent, and he did, he did return 22 punts for 183 yards last year for the Vikings. He's not the most explosive guy. Earlier in his career, he was actually a, a fairly explosive punt returner. But, yeah, I mean, they need someone, first and foremost, that can just feel comfortable catching the ball and not fumbling.
1: Like all, all I can ask for.
0: So we'll see uh, with what three weeks to go until the regular season. So any final thoughts from you from, from the cabin here on the, the <laughs> second atrocious preseason game?
1: Uh, I, I hope the Vikings can find a viable backup quarterback option. Um, you know, I, I would love for Kellen Mond to still stick around on this roster. It's not worth just punting away from him. I am. I am down with getting rid of Sean Mannion. I don't think it's worth with him occupying a 53 man roster spot at this point, but, um, Trying to find a, a legitimate, viable backup QB that, if Kirk, who is an Iron Man, doesn't miss time, has to miss time. I feel comfortable that that quarterback can step in and win a game. you know the, And the Vikings have had a history of backups stepping in off the street in a pinch and winning them significant games. So mm-hmm. can they find that guy between now and the start of the regular season? I think that's still the main takeaway here. It's been our 1A talker since the preseason games and training camp has started. Who is going to be the legitimate backup quarterback? And internally, it might not be on the roster.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, Judd, sorry for doubting your sports dad expertise. <laughs> get well soon uh, until you get back, which... For all we know, might be tomorrow. Could be in a week. Could be in a month. We have no idea. But uh, send Judd your well wishes on Twitter at Jay Zulgad, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Daily Vikings entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. Dang it.